Salutations from space. This is Gemini Brett, the astronaut of more than astrology. Today is Sunday, September 6, 2015. And before she rose this morning, our sister planet Venus completed her pass of Earth in the dance of these heavenly twins around the bright light of their star. Goddesses 40 days and 40 nights of retrograde riddle through the zodiac has come to a close. And though Venus will continue to rise to her eastern height, the signs show that she has begun to chase the light of the sun. This is the descent of Anana into the underworld. And every month this crescent moon embraces morning star, the queen of heaven and earth will pass through one of seven gates on her way down into the curve. At each of the moon gates, one of Anana's sacred adornments of holy me will be taken from her body. On September 10th, she will release her Shigura, the crown of the step. On October 8th, her lapis earrings. On November 7th, the double-stranded lazuli necklace. Her golden breastplate called the Come Man Come on December 7th. On January 6th, her golden ring of power. The lapis measuring rod in line on February 5th. And finally, on March 7th, her royal red robe. A clear correlation to the seven sacred chakras. To dive into those mysteries, I recently recorded this conversation with the Seattle healer, Sidney Culver. Embodiment. Remembrance, congruency, see you on Earth. Salutations from space, folks. This is Gemini Brett, astronaut of more than astrology and celestial navigator of the Storytelling Podcast. And it is my great pleasure to be sitting here with Sydney Culver, healer, somatic practitioner, and advocate for the integration of the divine feminine and sacred masculine energies. Thank you for being here, Sydney. My pleasure. Um, so we begin with some teacup tarot. So please choose any one of these brown cups. We have one for every planet of the solar system. Saturn. All right. And for me, the moon. And we'll choose a cup for Hanuman. Vesta, the keeper of the sacred flame, priestess. Saturn, the moon, and Vesta. Let's sit on that one a little bit. The moon can really be a essence of feminine energy, that nurturing mother energy and the soul's memory, the, the lineage, the ancestry. 
And Saturn holds a lot of that space as well. Saturn has a pretty bad rap in the astrology world, as you know. But there's this essence of Saturn that was a time of a golden age on Earth. And for a time, he was definitely an advocate for the divine feminine, pushing his father Uranus, who was not so nice to Mother Gaia away. Mm -hmm. See how Saturn comes in. But Saturn often on our charts represents uh, a project, some work to do, some obstacles that would keep us from truly engaging with the highest essence of that archetype of the sign in which the ring one spun when life begins. And I find that when we clear Saturn, Saturn becomes this root for us, this strength and so I like this. I mean, in my own kind of chakra correlations, which is different than most I've seen, but Saturn is the root. Mm. And this kind of ancestry, this lineage, this deep roots into the earth. And um, and I have the moon at the third eye in mm. my system. With, you know, this flavor of the night and ever-changing. So maybe that can lead us in, but I mentioned those, I guess, because we were going to talk about the chakras some. And um, maybe before we do, the question that I've been asking everyone in these interviews is, why heal? Hmm. I like to think of healing as remembering. And that our journey of healing is one of remembering our wholeness and making space for all of the gifts oftentimes through our shadows to be able to be integrated and used so that we can be here to serve at our highest capacity. Hmm. So why heal is so that we can live with the greatest amount of us. Remembrance. So does this mean that we've forgotten? Indeed. We've forgotten until we remember. Hmm. And that, that word remember, to like take the various members of us that have been scattered and recollect them, reintegrate them, represence them. And we do that not only inwardly, but also once we've done it inwardly, we can begin to do it in community and we can remember hmm. together. Does the forgetting then serve the remembrance? Of course. Some would argue that the forgetting was an intentional part of the design of this place so that we could learn, use this as a school, if you will, to evolve. If we didn't have something to overcome, we would not be able to learn what we would need to learn to be able to evolve in our soul. Hmm. This place being the earth game. The earth game. And once the remembrance is complete, is it ever? And if it is, do we keep evolving, but in a different way? I wouldn't be able to answer if the remembrance was ever complete. I would like to think that there is always an evolution. But if we're just remembering who we are at the deepest level, I would like to think that at some point we do really, we really do remember that. And then we take that and there's another stepping off place from there. Hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking about this this Venus 
cyanotic cycle and this kind of spiritual practice, this 19-month practice, which is a, a cleansing, a release of the clutter, and in a sense, a, a rebirth, a, a death and rebirth, and then a retrieval, a restructuring. And um, images come in, you know, from so many different world shamanistic systems of kind of tear me apart, put, put me back together. This will make me stronger. Um, so it seems like clearing the forgetting to make space to reassemble and bring in the remembering could be part of this. Absolutely. Absolutely. And is this part of your philosophy then for somatic body work and some of the other sharings? Yes, absolutely. The philosophy basically is to create congruence from who we are at the deepest level at our core to how we feel ourselves to how we're experiencing life and to the degree that we have disintegrated we have incongruence and so how can we experience oneness unity wholeness when we're incongruent with Mm. our true experience which can sometimes mean having to visit challenging places on the way to that congruence so visiting these challenging places with purpose yeah going into the wound this is part of this work of healing yes and this work as a healer so i'm wondering you know first of all congruence this is such a beautiful word it's a word that i haven't heard for a long time i think and so much is coming in i'm trying to quiet it um if someone comes to you somebody that's new you know just checking you out maybe checking out somatic body work or something else that you offer um and you're bringing them into this kind of philosophical um, purpose of remembrance, of releasing incongruence to be complete again. Um, do you find a lot of resistance to that? Do you find that people have a lot of fear to go into some of the wounds to heal, or is there more excitement, and that's mm-hmm. why they've come to see you? So one of the my favorite ways of working with that is to first bring people back to the body through the breath and through a sense of comfort Hmm. and nurturance and safety you're talking about the chakras so that 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 first chakra and the whole nervous system can have a sense of ease and when that safety is there then the willingness to move towards any given sensation, whether it's a challenging sensation or a not so challenging sensation, there's a lot more willingness when the container of safety and the the nervous system feels really like it can trust a situation. Whereas if you have a nervous system that already feels like it's having to watch out and protect and defend, it's going to be far more resistant. Hmm. So I think the first step is to create like a, ner- a permission in the nervous system by creating that comfort and that safety. Yeah, I love that. <clears throat> I love these cups that we drew too because the moon carries so much of that, that cancer energy like your own sun sign. Um, but I really feel that, that Saturn holds that space as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that when Saturn's online, it's... I mean, even my friend Boo created these cups for me and I gave her a little 
keyword, you know, to intend into the cups as she was creating them. And for Saturn, don't tell the astrologers I said this, but I wrote Good Mother. Mm. Um, there's this essence of, of Capricorn, which is a sign so associated with Saturn over time, that's really become this kind of governance and almost police state imagery, but it's a earth sign, it's a feminine sign, and I see it as the trunk of the tree and these deep roots, and that's, there's that place of safety that we find in nature, even if we're not looking for it often, that, at least for me, can bring me into that place where I feel okay, and, and then can open myself and trust this healing process. That's such an important first step. I, I love repurposing Saturn in that context because that, that foundation, that structure, when we have foundation, we have structure, there can be a tremendous amount of freedom mm-hmm. and a tremendous amount of ease. And sometimes we forget that. We forget that freedom is actually found oftentimes through structure, the right kinds of structure, not necessarily through doing away with all structure. Yeah, part of this process um, will be a rewriting of the rules. You know, so when the rules are those that we write, or even we could say the divine law, instead of this like law of man and human and culture, there's something about that that code of conduct, you know, when we chisel our own commandments, that is such a beautiful support for us. And I, this is a process that I work with um, with clients when, when they're in a Saturn transit or something is, okay, Saturn, the rule book's open. You know, are you going to rewrite your rules? Mm-hmm. Are you going to actively engage? And with Saturn, in a sense, is this, this fence, but also this gate. And in many ways, you know, when, when Uranus was discovered, and it's like, well, look at that freaky thing spinning on its side. That's so Aquarius. And this old sign that was traditionally associated with Capricorn was handed over to, I mean, associated with Saturn was handed over to Uranus. So I feel like this is part of the Saturn wound. You know, mm. it's like, hey, where is that like whole like freedom side of me? Mm. You want me just to be these these barriers now, you know? And so this kind of police state and in a sense, false masculine energy yes. that is so prevalent in the world has come through, you know, and in one thing, one of my favorite mantras lately is there's no freedom without the cage. You know, there's something about really having those limitations, those obstacles to seed in us the revolutionary force to choose ourselves and to break free. And so it provides us that great service. But then there's also another freedom um, in finding those rules, in finding that structure, in coming back down from the rebellious, um, explosion and coming into earth and grounding into our own safe place in this world. So my experience of your work, Sydney, though limited, has been that you have this very, um, I don't know if psychic is the right word for it, but somatic kind of uh, that you experience somebody's body. And I don't know if it's an empathic thing where you feel it in yourself, but I'm really interested in that process of you know, if somebody doesn't even know where their pain is or where it's coming from, how you can track that down um, in the body? Mm. Well, I think that oftentimes most people are really disconnected from their bodies. So the first step is to really start to pay attention to the body and start to notice its sensations and to just be with them. I think our attention is usually so 
in more mental patterns or more outward that we forget to put that loving, beautiful attention that gets scattered around in the monkey mind on our very own beautiful body selves. And when we're willing to do that, it's often like this thirst that the body has had of like, oh, I'm being, I'm being felt. And with a little bit of listening, it, you know, more information starts to reveal itself. So I find just starting with tracking any sensation, you know, starting with whatever is present, even if it's just a gross sensation, like a pain somewhere, um, or the absence of sensation. And just being with that over time allows the body to, and the communication between the person and the body, and then all the information that is stored there to begin to reveal itself. Yeah, and these body pains, I mean, especially, we can really just want to run away from that or go to somebody to fix it, take it away from us. And with some of the long distance pains, you know, they really seem to be wanting to communicate with us. And um, then we have to run into them, it seems, and get to know them and mm-hmm. dive into that deep wave and, in a sense, see what that, that teaching is, right, contained within that, that painful place because this is a game of evolution, right? <laughs> so the chakra system, you know, it's fun that I'm kind of leading this group experience through the chakras because I'm not so familiar with them. Mm-hmm. So it's really important for me to get um, people like yourself who are um, over here to the magic carpet or wherever it may mm-hmm. be to kind of speak um, to this group about the chakras, what the different energy centers are, um, maybe different types of pains or wounds or experiences that would be associated with um, the different chakras. So I was wondering if you could kind of just introduce us to the chakras. Absolutely. So I'm going to go in ascending order, starting with the root. And the root is often associated with a color of red, and it's located at the base of the spine, kind of at the base of the pelvis. And it's about our security and our sense of belonging. Um, our safety and our, our belief that we can exist, like it's safe for me to live. And so the concerns of the first chakra have to do with that kind of just survival, security and survival on a very root level. And because of that, one of the, the wounds, if you will, that we find there is fear. And when you look at where that's placed in the body, you see um, it's kind of one of the entrances to our more our, our internal organ cavity, and we have these huge nerves and blood vessels that run down the insides of the legs. And so, when we're ever, whenever we feel fear, it's a body's natural response to close in, and that's one of the places that it draws, hmm. you know, as as protection. But also it's a place where a lot of gripping takes place um, subconsciously in, in most people. It's kind of like, you know, that wound tight feeling. It's a real place of control, surrender, fear. Those are the types of things that live really in that root chakra. Moving up just um, above the pubic bone and below the navel is the sacral chakra. And that is associated with creative, creative expression, creativity, sexuality, sensuality, 
Um, but I often like to think of how those energies really are the same. Mm. And so when we are engaged in our sexuality, that is a highly, highly divine creative process. So it's very much where we draw the juice of our life, the zest and the willingness to really engage in the pleasure and the joys of life. And one of the shadows that we see there is guilt. Um, Very much tied into the obvious uh, projections and things that we have on our sexuality in this culture. We're not given a lot of permission to embrace that energy as just a raw creative life force that is part of who we are. So there's a lot of clamping down or manipulation or distortion of the purity of that energy. But the purity of that energy really is a very deep creative force. And the color associated with that is orange. Um, Moving up to the area just below the the breastbone, kind of the soft part underneath the ribcage is the solar plexus. And that is about our personal power, our social self. And it's associated with the color yellow. It's about our will, our will to act, our will to kind of take that creative inspiration that was bubbling before and start to put it out and into the world. And the the shadow we often find there is shame. Um, although I find that, you know, the, those first three chakras, they correspond to the physical, often the physical, where the heart is the, the balance point between the spirit and the physical, and then above is all spirit. So this is, while we're on earth, I think the first three chakras are really our homework. Hmm. They're our, our foundation. And until those are really resolved, there's, there's always going to be imbalances. So I feel that, you know, in a lot of the, the spiritual and new age communities, there's a focus really to go above in the higher chakras and spend a lot of time up there. But I, re- I really feel like those first three chakras are so important to get those in harmony and, and in balance. And that shame piece really can overlay all of them. Shame is such a huge wound in this world, in the society that we're living in. So it's considered one of the primary wounds of the third, but I really see it all the way through the whole first three chakras because they're, they're very tied into how we think of ourself on a kind of personal self level. As we move into the heart, um, the heart chakra, we kind of leave the the social self and we begin to move into higher orders of self, more divine self or transcendental self or high, you know, high, a wider sense of self. But usually that sense of self is not what we're operating with here in this three-dimensional world. And so those first three chakras are really important while we're here so that the higher self has a clear vehicle through which to express its divinity while we're in this body. So the heart chakra is associated often with the color green and its location is just behind the breastbone very clearly at the heart center. And it's about love and compassion in a very um, unconditional way. 
And I really think of it also as the, pl- as the first place of non-duality. That, again, that balance point, there's seven chakras. There's three above the heart and there's three below the heart chakra. And that is that perfect balanced place where we have a foot in both world and in this world. And the symbol of that is actually the Star of David so that you have the triangle pointing upward and you have the triangle pointing downward and they're perfectly balanced. It's a beautiful symbol for that place. Um, the shadow that we find here is often grief, heartbreak, just the things that really break our heart, deep, deep grief. And in Chinese astrology, you also have the lungs there, which correspond to grief. The throat chakra, which is associated with the color blue, is where we express, it's about expression. And it's also about um, the etheric realm. It corresponds to the etheric layer of the body. And the shadow that we find there is where we're not telling our truth, either to ourselves or outwardly. So it's where we hold back that authentic, real truth. The third eye between the brow at the forehead, the color indigo, this is about intuition, extrasensory perception, where we begin to um, kind of part the veils, if you will, and begin to see more than what is just the five senses. We get to enter into the more subtle senses here. And the shadow of the third eye is illusion. That it's very easy for us to kind of believe our own stories and kind of tangle ourselves in our own web. And to think that we're, we're seeing truth, but we're just kind of seeing through our own filters. And the crown chakra Violet, this is the, the portal, the gateway to the spirit, where spirit is able to totally pour in, and it is the transcendent self, the higher self. And the shadow there, and that this isn't really a place where you'll find like somatic wounding, as you will in some of the other chakras, but this is kind of where our attachments is about where we feel attached in order to go into that transcendent self space to really merge with with universe with source we have to really let go in a very 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 profound way so it's really about attachment there so these attachments like beliefs and Attachments Even possessions by or identity attachments <clears throat> primarily, and certainly beliefs. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to want to merge into unity, oneness, source. It's like that ego death, you know. If I'm really attached to these ideas of myself, or if I only know myself to be the small personality self, and I don't know myself also to be the source self, the higher self, all at once. It will feel like a death. One of the common struggles that's shared with me 
and astrology readings is um, it's like my head and my heart have different plans, you know. I can't get them to agree. And it usually seems to me, well, that means you need to turn the throat up, right? Because that's that gateway between the two. Are you speaking your truth? Like, can they even speak with one another because you're hiding from them? And I bring that up because I'm wondering if you see some linearity between the system. Like, if the solar plexus is off, do you want to kind of work with the sacral to bring the root to it or work with the heart to bring the higher chakras down to it? Yes, and linearity, I don't know if that I would use that word, <laughs> but certainly there are um, relationships and correspondences. And particularly I find you know, that you mentioned this kind of head and heart struggle, which is very prevalent. And while, yes, the, the throat is kind of the mediating chakra, I actually would, would want to look even lower down than that. Hmm. Like what is, what's going on in these first three chakras? Because our truth comes from knowing ourself. And if we don't know ourself, which means we haven't gone into the core of who we are and sorted out all these things, then we can't really tell ourselves the truth. Hmm. And so I find that that work, as I mentioned before, is these kind of nitty-gritty first three chakras. And even if you, um, because I'm a somatic educator, I work with the body, I love the metaphor of the body. And as above, so below also applies very clearly in the body. And I work with a very kind of bottom-up approach, meaning Mm -hmm. that the foundations of the body have to be stable and open and balanced below in order for the structures above to be stable, open and balanced. And the pelvis and the neck have a, and the head have a very, very clear reflection of each other, almost like identical. And so from that point of view as well, how can we really open this creative expression, the expression of the creativity that was found in the second and the mm-hmm. second and the fifth have a very close correspondence. So. I would say, look to the core. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when you brought in the Star of David at the heart, or the Star of Tetrahedron, mm-hmm. and Merkiba, um, you know, the alchemical systems, right, the, the chalice and the blade are these expressions of yin and yang, feminine and masculine, and that the chalice is, you know, this, this involutionary quest um, astrologically associated with the elements of earth and water and outside of astrology as well, but earth and water we drop and they fall, right? Where the evolutionary quest, the kind of up and out shown by the blade, the air and the fire which rise when we breathe out or rise from the flames. Um, And it seems that we always want to have those two in balance. So what you shared earlier about that heart kind of being that, that, that middle place of the as above, so below. And it would seem too that, you know, that always correlates for me to the as within, so without. Right, so there's a lot of know thyself. We can hear that, and it feels like such a mental expression. I think to many people, when when we first approach that old statement from the oracle, but this is about know thyself, right? So all of thyself, and um, yeah, this energy of starting from the root up. You know, I'm I'm such a celestial fellow myself, mm-hmm. and living kind of in the upstairs that it's it's hard for me to like come down into the body you know and it's something that I'm, that I'm really devoting myself to as a practice 
um, because the other stuff seems so easy. Mm-hmm. But as I slow down and sit and find earth space, then, you know, it's, it's helping me bring some of that higher chakra energy into form, into self. So I guess I'm not as delusional with my perceptions and stuff. Um, and that creative force really comes through. There, there's another image I've seen, um, which is a spiral kind of emanating from the heart mm. that then connects the um, fifth chakra mm-hmm. to the third. And mm-hmm. Do you see that in people's bodies at all, or do you see those correspondences come through? Oh, you know, that when I look at a body, I'm not always looking so specifically at the chakras, you know, so specifically of like, you know, the chakra and that chakra, I'm really looking at like, where is there, where is there um, openness? Where is there availability? Where is there contraction? And there's so many infinite and really complex layers in, in that, that it it would be hard to just make generalizations. Mm -hmm. Um, But I can say absolutely the one generalization that I can make is that those lower three are the places where everyone has stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so getting into that stuff, um, and I'm also wondering just, you know, about addressing this ro- wound or I think one part of it is finding the wound, right? But then having the courage to go into that place. And so you mentioned the safety as this key component of that and that comfort and that nurturing energy to help hold space for somebody to go in there. But um, is there something, I guess this is those lower three too, about kind of stoking these flames of, of will, of sovereignty, so we can go in into the wounds without fear or to wrestle with our fears or Absol- dance with them? Absolutely. And maybe it's very kind of like evoking the both the father and the mother within, in a way. Like, I like to just call it the, the loving witness but that we, that we remind ourselves that we can take a breath and we can slow down and that there is an aspect of us that can be the chooser. Because often we go into those wounds, we begin to trigger younger selves or we actually enter into realities that don't feel safe within. And so as long as we can keep a foot or a toe or a pinky, if, even if it's just a pinky, into the chooser, the mm-hmm. one that the loving witness, the one that knows that I can breathe, I'm here, everything's okay. Then we can anchor, we can anchor and go into that experience and feel it all completely as raw and intense as it might be, knowing that there's a part of us that is the witness that we've taken with us as our anchor. Yeah, I love that. I mean, a lot of my own journey work and meditations, there's, um, you know, I'm always exploring duality, <laughs> um, but there's this like trust component and these guys show up and it's like, come with us and these hallways open and it's like, la, 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 and, <laughs> and then the other side is, you know, this discernment piece or I even like this word discrimination, which has become this like bad word, but it's this, you know, it's this, you know, it's become racist and sexist, but that word does not mean that, you know, and it's this very willful choice, you know, mm-hmm. 
And that's like, wait, who are you guys? And where are you taking me anyway? Right? And it's just like, oh, why don't you trust us? But that, you know, these two forces that can seem so opposed, that middle way, just like you say, it's that observation, it's that witness, it's that stillness. And so we can remain sovereign and choose to go to these places and not just be taken there, you know, and not fall into victim or all these different roles that we've learned to play, you know, through the wound over time. I think you evoke a couple of really beautiful archetypes for me in that, you know, there's that that sovereign witness as as a, a place to find that discrimination and that trust, which I think of very much as kind of an inner masculine. And then the other guidepost that I really like to use is my body, is the body, and that, that the body itself can be trusted. And almost as if, you know, like the the earth side, the water side, the feminine side of that coin, if we can check in with the body, what does the body say here as another discriminating reference point? Because if the body is not on board, if it's giving us some signal, it can usually be trusted. Mm. And sometimes that signal may be coming from a, you know, a past projection, like the situation reminds me of something in the past that caused, caused me pain. I'm freaking out right now. That may not be correct information in the moment, but the process of trusting the body and making allies with those signals and learning what they are and unraveling those past projections makes the body an, a more and more clear, present information gatherer for us. It's such a beautiful um, compass mm. that way. And it requires that we don't just rush into this thing or through this thing and just try to purge and get rid of it all there's something about developing that relationship to all pieces of ourselves even those those fears and some of the shadow pieces and you know and it, it brings me back to when you're describing you know the shadow of fear at the root but there's also a, a beautiful essence of fear right that's a great guide for us um Kind of when we've cultivated a relationship to it and I'm not sure if it lives there but that kind of like gut sense of no this is not for me right mm-hmm. like you know it and and learning to trust that seems so important because we can I can really get into my head and say mm-hmm. no 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 like this is just some old fear and, and forget about it and my body's yelling why don't you trust me right and so that that divide that I think we can often feel in the as above so below and and it, and it kind of resonates in, you know, an essence of this almost long-standing divide between the yin and the yang energies. That yes. It really feels that we're here to heal at this time together. Um, and I would love, Sydney, if, if you feel called to um, express the yin and the yang. <laughs> it's such an easy I'll one. Just add. <laughs> Well, in the context of what we're speaking of, uh, I'm going to put it into a context so that I have some context. Um, in, in, in this wound reclaiming and in this process of, of balancing the masculine, the feminine, the within, the without, um, you know, I often think of it in terms of like the Shiva and the Shakti consciousness and the Shiva being that witness and the Shakti being that which is witnessed. Mm. And 
when working with, and I just want to go back to the, that statement of congruency. You know, when you were talking about my mind is saying one thing, my heart is saying another, my body is saying another. When people are in that state, there's incongruencies, right? And so it's important then to, when, when Shiva or that witness consciousness in us and Shakti, when they're having the same experience, they're congruent. And so being just with what is, is the pathway to that kind of congruency. And so the yin, I would say, is, is the, the earth and water elements of, the, you know, it's the body, it's the sensations, it's what, are we, what we are experiencing, all of it, from, from the pain, from the joy, from the sadness, from this pleasure, for, like all of this stuff of life is all that realm of, of the Shakti, which is a little bit different, has some different essences to it than just pure yin, but I just want to use this context. And that the witness is that which is just able to hold it all and see it all. Mm. And so when we can widen our inclusion of, of, fe- of the feminine, to include all that dark stuff that got dumped out through patriarchy. But if we bring that down and personalize it to just our, our own personal experiences of being able to see the unpleasant and the shadow and the suffering and embrace them equally like we would the pleasure and the beauty and the love as just all these beautiful currents mm-hmm. Of, of feminine shakti like that lens I feel for me it helps me to tr- trust it gives me a, an inroad a context to be oh this is just all arising of that and so that in itself provides trust and then that that witness that that can be above it all that rises that that doesn't get stuck in that if that is also there, then we don't have to spiral into the depths of this, of despair and stay there and get lost forever. Mm. You know, we can be like, wow, this is what I'm experiencing. Look at all these amazing textures and that witness consciousness is just there to help keep that, that experience from stagnating. And it then becomes an alchemy in that way, right? That inner alchemy. And there's a lot of talk about the divine feminine returning. I have my, my Shakti coloring book right here. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there's not so much talk about the sacred masculine returning. Mm. And this shocks me so much because it's as if there's this assumption that that fellow's been around for some time. And that is not my experience, you know, in this go thus far. And it would seem, it, you know, they, they're always interrelated, right? And um, in a sense, like, how can she fully come into form unless she's safe to? Exactly, right? yes. And, but how will she whistle to him to come back unless she's around, right? And so it seems like this is a participation. This, this has to be done together, right? And I think there's so much assumption, um, and even speech that the masculine energy is just this warrior, this protector, you know, and 
this idea of like the guy running around with the sword in his hand. I mean, I'll be showing this in this presentation, like this image that we have for Mars, that circle and the arrow, like that's not the real Mars image, mm. right? He's meant to be the polar opposite of Venus. He's the cross of matter over the circle of spirit. Wow. Where she's the opposite. And even that alone, when we see Venus and Mars as yin and yang, says so much just in those symbols. But this guy's been given this like phallus and this arrow and this sword and let's go do that, you know, and I could go on and on and on about the masculine energies because of the male body not really understanding the magic of blood and so it seems that sometimes that's us drawing blood, but it really seems to me that there's so many different available octaves of both mm -hmm. the masculine and the feminine energy and that when we've kind of tried to push the masculine off into this only the warrior space that that's not necessarily the fella that you want around when you want to get into that safe comfort you know mm -hmm. you want the fire warm and there's a difference between comfort and protection you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so may this happen for us in our lifetimes <laughs> um well sydney i'm i'm just so excited to um, be able to share your wisdom with this with this group and um, this process that we're going through um, it's a cleansing from the crown down you know and a lot of people have shared that with they're like wait what you never start you know but it's like no this is a release but um, and it's once a month starting in September with the crown and um, I think before we go there it would be really wonderful for us to check in with the system and maybe start from the root up and get into that place of safety and comfort and know where we are before we start a cleansing process. So um, I'm hoping I can convince you to record a meditation for Absolutely. us along those lines. And Absolutely. Can I say something about that Divine Masculine piece? Please do. Time for that? Absolutely. So I think that is such an important part of this journey, the wound journey, the journey through of shedding and purifying is that we have something besides a warrior on board. And I and and so often the the imbalanced masculine is always with us in how we speak to ourselves. And so as we go on a healing journey it's really important that we embrace that journey not from I'm a not good enough place, I have to fix myself, not from a self-flatulation or self-judgment place. And that's really, really crucial that we're not bringing that to the, to the space, but that we are coming on with, with that, the eyes of the loving father, hmm. the comforter, the the protector only in the sense that we're going to protect against our own negative self-talk. Yeah, I love that loving father image and the partner image and the lover image and the trickster, you know, there's kind of only the warrior, then warrior, king, priest, and magician. And there's so many more and it's endless, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. in astrology, we see 12 or maybe 144. And that's not even touching the thing for the masculine or for the feminine. Right. That's so much of my work that he is not this and she is not that, right? <laughs> he is her and she is him. And can we mix all these things and 
um, and really be on this journey to find, right, and seek. And so often seeking is not believing. So releasing what we're told if the body doesn't say it's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you so thank much, you. Sydney. Uh, and thank you folks for joining in. There will be a meditation posted soon from Miss Sydney Culver. Um, is there someone online people can find you in your work that you would bring them to? I think probably the best way to find me would either through Facebook, and I'm sure this post will have a link to me that way and send me a message that way, or to email me at somasydney at gmail.com. All right. Thanks again, Sydney. Thank you. Mm-hmm.